You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the House on a Monday of a new crazy week in politics. Uh, July 24th here. Can't believe we're almost done another month. And uh, another day, another month, another day about Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Kushner, Kushner, Kushner. The entire conservative media is fixated on a man who's not even conservative, doesn't share our values, but all Russia all the time. And we got a lot to discuss Follow us, our articles, get your CRTV subscription. Lots going on in foreign policy as well. Um, but that's for, that's for another day. This week, I want to focus on health care. You know, we talk about a, a lot about the Russian collusion. The biggest collusion is the fact that we have, A, a Russian court system, and then Soviet-style health care. There's your collusion that we need to talk about. Now, as far as the courts are concerned, we're going to have a lot of articles on that this week. Lots of things going on with immigration, religious liberty. Um, even Ben Carson now saying the Supreme Court is forcing him to keep the war on suburbs. If you remember the AFFH uh, tool that that HUD uses to create a national zoning board. That is another article we have coming out as well. Um, craziness, craziness. Much like the courts are destroying the social fabric of this country, as you know, I believe that is the single most important issue as it relates to our society, that we need judicial reform. The single most important issue economically is health care. That is everything. Health care is responsible for the largest chunk out of the family budget. It's the hidden cost of why we haven't had economic growth for decades, we haven't had 3% growth for about 15 years and 4% growth since the, since the 90s, 5% growth since the 80s. That is why, sing- singularly why, we have a debt bomb that is bigger than Greece c- come 20, 30 years from now. It's all because of healthcare. $1.6 trillion in, in the federal and state spending on healthcare now. That's the death spiral we're in. And this goes well beyond Obamacare started well before Obamacare. Obamacare merely exacerbated all of those factors. And then most importantly, as we see with Charlie Gard today, the decision of the parents not to bring him to America, although the British authorities were giving them a hard time and that might have played into, into their decision. But we should learn from that that ultimately the goal is care, health care. We don't want to live in a country where we don't have options anymore. But that is the trajectory tra- trajectory we are on. Truthfully, whether we were, I mean, decide to repeal Obamacare or whether we don't, um, if we don't fundamentally deal deal with health care. Now, as you know, last week I gotten a lot of great feedback from you guys on my hour long podcast, our probably our longest uh, episode on what to do to fix health care and how we could actually achieve it with a pretty easy to message one two step plan. And how we could actually bring healthcare back into this healthcare debate. The one, the one element missing from the healthcare debate is healthcare. We don't discuss it. We discuss uh, Medicaid, government-run programs, and 
the government-sponsored quasi-public utility insurance cartel, medical insurance, as if that is health care. And that's why I wanted to take this a step further this week and bring you a series of guests starting today with someone I'm really excited to present to you, Dr. Kevin Wakasey. Lives in the Dallas Fort Worth, Dallas Fort Worth area. Been practicing medicine since 1994. I, I discovered him on social media. I've always known of his books, but sadly have never read them. But that will change soon, and I hope that changes for you. And this is someone who not only understands medicine but understands the economics of healthcare. And I wanted to bring you someone who could discuss this at. A, a, a bottom-up level of how this looks in the real world, how screwed up healthcare is, um, and, and, and what, most importantly, what we could actually do as both consumers to, to fix this and also as activists on a political level to change this. Um, Dr. Wakasey is the author of two books I, I'm going to link to in our show notes so you could get them on Amazon. Must read along with my book, Stolen Sovereignty. Uh, the names of the books are The Guide to Buying Health Insurance and Healthcare, and Healthcareonomics 101, 500 Ways You're Being Ripped Off by the Health Insurance and Healthcare Industries. He has a blog at healthcareonomics.com. We'll also link to that. And you cannot miss him on Twitter at H-C-O-N-O-M-I-C-S, H-Conomics, or at Facebook, Healthcareonomics. We'll have all this in our show notes. This man is funny smart, informed, and knows what the heck he's talking about. Hey, Dr. Kevin, what is going on today? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Daniel, you sound like my ex-wife describing me. Thank you very much. I appreciate the <laughs> funny and the smart comments. Um, you know, thank you again so much for, for uh, taking notice of my stuff on Twitter. I, you know, I've been banging my head against the wall for a number of years now, trying to get everyone to understand that really when we talk about the healthcare debate, when we talk about what I call the great American healthcare dilemma, it's all based upon a lie, a, a really a, a simple, simplistic lie. And I call that the big myth of healthcare. And you and I discussed that uh, at exactly. length the other day. And I want to focus this because the, you know we could probably run off on 50 million things. We're going to have you back <laughs> numerous, numerous episodes because this is so vast and it ain't going away. But, but I want to focus no. on what you just said. What you just said, let's, let's take it from there, that the, that the launching point for all of this, why we are told, oh, my gosh, I mean, no one can afford it. So we need government programs. We need yeah. insurance. We need the government to tilt the playing field of the tax code, of the yeah. statutory regime, of the regulatory regime, right. the subsidies, the mandates. We need that all run by the public utility style insurance cartel or by government because look the prices are so high it is so revolutionary what's going on in healthcare i mean your brain couldn't even quantify how much of this stuff is trillions and therefore without us you can't afford it so you're screwed start off with that point why it is that the that the cost of healthcare being so expensive inherently is the biggest myth Probably even more than well, global warming. 
You know, it, and I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I think that's the, the health insurance and healthcare, the two most misunderstood and misused industries in the U.S., probably the world uh, right now. And it's largely because of the fact that we have been told for decades that healthcare is expensive. In fact, let me get you, uh, this, this is a play right out of the anarchist's handbook. You take something and you make a crisis that is non-existent, and then you offer a solution to the crisis. And that's exactly what liberals in the left and the, the they've been going along with the health insurance industry. They've been doing this for decades to the American people. And let me get to my point, though. When you hear the term, the rising costs of health care, what does that make the average Joe or Jane think? It makes you think that, oh my gosh, health care must be expensive. Health care is costly. And when you see these hospital bills that have $12 aspirin tablets on there, you know, hey, there's proof right there that health care is really costly. Too costly, in fact, to be afforded without health insurance. This is the big myth of healthcare, that number one, healthcare is so costly, that number two, we need health insurance to cover health care. Now, I wanna clarify something just right off the bat and say that I am not anti-health insurance. I believe in health insurance. I have health insurance. I think it's a very wise thing to have, but it's like a chainsaw. It's something that you should really only rarely have to use or call upon in your life, just like other forms of insurance that we have, like car insurance or homeowner's insurance. So I'm not an anarchist anti-health insurance guy. It's just that the health insurance industry has thrived and made literally trillions of dollars over the past 70 years by maintaining and perpetuating this myth that we need them to have health care. In fact, you can hear, get on the internet and just Google the term access to health care, and you'll find numerous examples of politicians and pundits and, and health care experts, supposed health care experts, talking about uh, you know, you want increased access to health care, uh, get more coverage. And that is just, it, it, it's, it's totally, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And this is all based upon a lie that is at the root of it, that is health care is costly. Well, it's not costly. And I know because I buy and sell health care for a living. I'm a physician. And, you know, I, I have this Twitter account, and yesterday I did a series. Uh, Twitter's calling these things moments, by the way. So it's on, it's on my, if you go to my Twitter account, you can see that I've got five moments up there currently. And the last moment is this story I did yesterday about how much is it for a broken arm again? And I'm talking about this reporter who, uh, Dan Bobkoff, I think his name is, he did a uh, series, he, he did an interesting question, he posed an interesting question in an article from a couple of days ago, how much would a broken arm cost you in, around the world? And he, he got solicited answers from people in nine different countries, uh, everywhere from, from the U.S. to France to Nigeria to Japan. And the, the charges or the costs, of course, varied widely. But here's my point about this. A broken arm, if you're talking about just a simple, uncomplicated broken arm, we call it a fractured forearm or a fractured arm. If I'm going to take care of that in the hospital ER setting or in an urgent care setting or even in my office here where I practice, what it involves is doing an X-ray, examining the patient, of course, taking the history, examining the patient, uh, doing an X-ray, maybe manipulating the bones around a little bit, reducing them, then putting that patient in a splint and or a cast and then giving them an arm sling and, you know, giving them some pain medication, sending them home with a prescription and telling them to follow up. Now, really, really important stuff, but not rocket science. 
No, it, it, no, this is not, you know, uh, operating on a fetus that's still in the womb. This is, this is not rocket science. Uh, now, that's not to say it's not involved. I mean, there's some treatment decisions that need to be made, et cetera, but I'm not discounting the, the knowledge and the experience that goes into taking care of this. But, you know, it, it's not that costly. And so I boil down the costs because uh, in uh, the uh, reporter's article, he writes that it'll cost you anywhere from $0, and I believe it was uh, – uh, Britain, it'll cost you nothing, all the way up to, of course, the U.S. is the most expensive at 1200 bucks on average, and I, I think that that's probably an underestimate, in fact. Oh, yeah. But the bottom, yeah, the bottom line is that how much does it cost for an X-ray and some splint material and arm sling and some pain medication? And I, I literally, I boil it down and just say that, look, it's probably less than 30 bucks total cost. For, for, for the marginal, the marginal costs. That is the marginal cost. That is exactly. But that's not the fixed operating costs that, you, that we have to take into account. Now, I want to I make this analogy here, too, and I've got a tweet about this today that ask any of your listeners how much it costs McDonald's to build a cheeseburger. They're going to say, well, it'll cost, you know, there's, you've got the bun, you've got the meat, you've got the cheese, you've got the vegetables, if you like those. And that's but, all but true. Kevin, but, Kevin, you've got the big facility to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is true. This is true. But here's, here's the, the difference. Ask anyone what it costs to build a cheeseburger, and that's your answer. Ask anyone what it costs to fix a broken arm, and then they start talking about, well, you've got to build a hospital to house the emergency room, and then you've got to have the doctors on staff. And No, 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 no. These are fixed operating costs, and they are tangible costs. They're significant. I will grant you that. And they have to factor into what is charged for fixing a broken arm. But as far as the absolute cost of fixing a broken arm, the initial care and treatment, it's not that much. And that's part of the big myth of healthcare. You get this bill and you're charged $800 for an x-ray that literally, literally is stored on a hard drive now and costs a few cents of electricity to shoot the x-ray. Literally. Exactly. Now, exactly. Now, now yeah, so the, I want to move this to the next direction. So that's how we established the, the, the problem that, you know, things that are right. so cheap that should be much cheaper, of course, is a markup for the expertise for profit yeah. margins like any other thing. But it's just out of control. Now, I, now I want to get to the source why it's like that, because at the end of the day, <laughs> most Americans, I think, fit into the following category. Now, you do have a substantial amount of the free stuff crowd, but mo most most Americans, I think more than 51 percent are like, look, you know, we, we pay anyone pays from one to two thousand dollars easily easily a year on you know verizon or comcast um yeah, sure, you know sure. the internet cell phone smartphone stuff you know it's it's and, and it's funny because that's one of the markets that's not as free market as some of the others so the costs haven't come down as much but um you know a lot of people are willing to spend on a lot of things and they're willing to spend you know maybe on an average year a few thousand dollars a year total health care health insurance whatever the split would be depending on what plan you want um a, a worse year would be a little bit worse a better year you'd save some more money and then you know you cap in some way catastrophic which i think we could speak about later how we could actually have other options for that other than the insurance cartel but right. you know the bottom line is they can't because they walk in and let me use an example that I know you're familiar with to kind of guide the discussion as to why it's like this. Now, I have a friend um, who works also in, in, in public policy, and uh, his dad just got diagnosed with cancer, really got screwed over because of Obamacare. Um, he would have been covered. Um, now he had major issues. They wanted to take him to, um, he's in Alabama, but they wanted to take him to MD Anderson 
um, right. in Texas. I'm sure you're familiar with that for colon, yep. colon, colon cancer treatment. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but one point, just the EKG for the, for this. And, you know, you're talking about MD Anderson here. They told me it was 9,000 bucks is what they were asking for. <laughs> 9,000 bucks. I want you to use that example to, to show our audience how and why it is so inflated because the problem people have is like, look, Daniel, like I want to pay for my own. I can't. So therefore I need Medicaid. I need Medicare or I need right. the insurance cartel. Insurance. What do I do? Right. Well, here's the bottom line. I wrote a chapter in my first book called the usual suspects. And when we ask when the media, even the media, even respected pundits get this wrong all the time. They ask the question, why is an EKG? You're saying the EKG was charged at 9,000 bucks for an EKG or the visit was charged? No, not well, 9,000 9, bucks. Now, again, this is, it wasn't a regular one. It was MD Anderson for oh, a cold yeah, well, cancer. Of Brand you know, name, cancer. Yeah. Well, you, you just put the word cancer on it and, and there you go. <laughs> well, you throw a, throw a brand name on a person. Now it's worth 500 bucks to some people. But in any case, um, you ask the question, why is an EKG priced at $9,000? Because that's not what it costs, okay? One of the, the tagline on my blog, and, and then I repeat uh, every day, is it's not the cost of healthcare that are outrageous, it's the charges that are outrageous. And so why do we charge $9,000 for an EKG? Well, the usual suspects are this, that it's uh, technology, the elderly, the chronically ill, the uninsured, um, you know, the uh, uh, malpractice premiums. And I, I say in my book that while all of these may have been present at the scene of the crime, these usual suspects that get rounded up and put in a lineup every time we ask the question, you know, why are EKGs charged at $9,000? While they may all have been present at the scene of the crime, none of them actually pulled the trigger. And what did was health insurance. As soon as health insurance stepped in and took over paying for things, everybody's idea of what it cost just went out the window. Nobody cared anymore. And so it became the situation where you were the patient, and I challenge you to tell me one other industry where it works like this in America today, where you, the patient now, have a service, you consume a service, but you have no input into the price. That gets negotiated between who's providing you the service and who you're paying to pay for the service. There's no other industry that I think of that, that does that. And here's where we are with that. Here's part of the problem is that now we've reached a point where these high deductibles and out-of-pocket responsibilities on the part of the patients have changed the game in a major way. For instance, I'm 48. I just went and had my fourth colonoscopy back in March. I wrote about it on my blog. I wrote a poem called Twas the Night Before My Colonoscopy. It's funny. Everyone should read it. But in any case, I, um, I, I went to go and get this thing done, and I went to the facility to pick up the stuff to drink the night before, and they said, okay, it's going to be 658 bucks. And I said, well, wait a minute. Is that everything? And she said, no, that doesn't include the doctor who performs the colonoscopy. That doesn't include the anesthesiologist. doesn't include pathology. But that's our fee. That's our facility fee. That's what we're going to charge you for bunking you down for a few hours. And I said, okay, I dig that. But, hey, listen, is this it? Because, you know, I have health insurance. I have a $2,500 deductible in my health insurance plan. So am I going to get balanced billed later on? Am I going to get more bills? She goes, no, 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 no. The 658 is the amount you owe. That's the amount we negotiated with your insurance company. And I just thought to myself, I was like, well, thank you very much, because I have to pay this burden, yet you're negotiating the price for me. What if I could have gotten it for 400 bucks, or 300 or 500 instead of six, you know, six, whatever it was? This is the problem with healthcare, is it's price fixed, and it's above our heads. And so what I tell patients in my book, I hate to say this, but I advocate fibbing. 
Okay, I advocate going in there and telling them, hey, listen, the next time I need a colonoscopy, I'm going to go in there and say, yo, I don't have health insurance. What's my cash price going to be? And I bet you it's going to be somewhere south of 658, or even if not, I'm going to be able to negotiate that. Sure. And it behooves me to do that. It, it, it pays for me to do that because I have to pay the first 2,500 bucks of my, of my expenses anyway yeah. towards health care. Now, now, Dr. O'Casey, can you explain to our audience how the price fixing works exactly? Maybe use our EKG example. How exactly this happens in the background that the prices go up this much? How do the insurance companies have enough money to shell out this much then? And then how, you know, and then, and then why is it that doctors such as yourself aren't earning millions of dollars a year? Well, who says I'm not? <laughs> I assure you, I'm not. The IRS can prove. Well, it. well, you don't take the cartel uh, insurance. I want to get to that later, but but for yeah, those, yeah, I don't take insurance. Um, okay, so to answer those questions, I would say that first of all, jokingly, how the health insurance companies can afford to pay those costs is through the uh, subsidies that the Congress keeps <laughs> giving them that you wrote about last week—the hundreds of billions of dollars a year, or hundreds of billions of dollars over ten years. I mean, it's crazy how that insurance industry is subsidized. But the bottom line is they don't pay that. The insurance company is not going to pay $9,000 for your EKG. <laughs> um, what ends up happening is if I'm going to sell my house and I want to get $100,000 for it, I'm not going to ask $100,000. I'm going to ask for $120,000, $150,000, in this case, $9,000 for an EKG. The insurance company is going to go back and say, okay, we'll give you a buck twenty-five for that EKG. And so the next year, when you come around to negotiating the contract, again, this all has to do with what are called managed care contracts. And I don't want to skip around too, too much, but let me just say that this is the legislation that needs to be repealed. Everyone's screaming about repealing Obamacare, and yes, it needs to go. It's horrible legislation. I agree with that. But there's a law, Daniel, that very few people have ever heard of, and yet it's impacted them since right after I was born. 1973. President Nixon signed the HMO Act, the Health Maintenance Organization Act. This gives the health insurance industry unlimited superpowers. They, it gives them the power to price fix. It gives them the power to restrain your, to restrain my trade as a physician and to restrict your consumer choice. You, you can pick out more toothpaste, okay? You can pick out the toothpaste you want in 2017, but your health insurance company gets to tell you which doctor you can or cannot see. It's crazy. This is outrageous. That law needs to go. That, that HMO You're saying, I, I want to I take this slow because this, this thing is very important. You know, what we're sure. saying is we're, we're not against, hey, insurance companies, they could do what they want. You could pay your executives millions of dollars. I know there's a lot of stories about that out this week and their profits. As long as you sink or swim, um, you know, on your own volition, on your own ingenuity, on your own uh, ability to innovate and please the consumer. I'm um, like, you know, you've seen with Uber and Apple and Amazon and Walmart, Southwest Airlines, right. but you don't have that here because a, to begin with, we got the well, we we always talk about the original sin of healthcare, the 275 billion dollar tax exemption that all businesses get to purchase their product. Right. Um, right. you know, but, but then, but you're saying there's, there's something much deeper that at the core of why they're able to sit in the background, meaning it's not just a matter of third party payer is automatically going to distort the market because, you know, you don't directly pay for yeah. it. It's that they actually price fix it. And what gives them that yeah. ability is the 1973 HMO act. Now HMOs aren't so much in vogue anymore. They're big in the nineties. How does this act still affect um, the healthcare industry, and, and, and how do you think repealing it would help? 
Well, this, this, I went to law school for a year. I'm not a lawyer. I did go to law school for a year, but that, that really is going to be a summer research project for a law intern, I would say, to answer that question in depth. What I will say is that I, I'm sure that the law has been tweaked or what have you, and it doesn't just apply to HMOs, PPOs, EPOs, these preferred provider. Anytime you hear the word network with health insurance, that is a, I believe, that is a descendant of the HMO Act. That, that law gave them the ability to form networks. I mean, you don't, there's, there's imagine if somebody said, hey, uh, you can't go to that pizza restaurant tonight because it's not a network. The outrage, I mean, the absolute outrage, and yet this is something that America Americans over the past 40 some odd years have become inured to. We just we just take it for granted. I, I tweet, I got a little aphorism in my second book where I say, you wouldn't let a health insurance company tell you what to put on your salad tonight. Yet you'll tell you'll let them tell you which doctor you can or can't see. It's it's absolutely when you step out of the bubble, when you when you unplug from the matrix and you turn around and you look back at this whole scenario, very little of it makes sense. And it's such an artificially constructed system that needs to go away. And the best news of all, here's the best news of anything, is that the health insurance companies have finally made a misstep. When they started pricing themselves into the obsolescence category, where they now are charging you a mortgage to have health insurance that thanks to your $12,000 deductible, you're never going to get to use anymore. So they've really done a number on themselves, and I think they know this. I think uh, you and I talked about this. I think that they, they're like bank robbers in a in a bank vault. The alarm has gone off. The sirens are coming. They know the cops are going to be there. They're just grabbing all the cash while they can because they know that at the end of all this, it's going to be a whole new paradigm for the health insurance industry, which means it's going to be a whole new paradigm, a much better paradigm for health care. Imagine being able to go to the doctor and get an EKG and blood work and testing and all this stuff for a few hundred bucks. Well, you will be able to, and guess what? You can now, in many cases, if you and then you won't need insurance. I mean, you won't need it except for, well, again, the, you know, above a certain cost for things that truly are very expensive. And that, you know, there's there's many ways that if you didn't have government involved, either the insurance companies would have to innovate, offer something that would be worthwhile. We talked a lot about last week about um group association plans um, that, that are already kind of, you know, written into statute and working well for for some religious ministries, but they could be expanded um, elsewhere. Sure. You could have general insurance that could hedge against just any catastrophe that, unfortunately, now there's no consumer demand because the government regulates that and then subsidizes. So there's no need for it. Yeah. But I want to go back. Which, to, I, I don't I don't so, see any subsidies for State Farm. You know, I often get bashed for this, for making these comparisons, which I know, I'm, I'm sure at the economist level, which I am not, they sound rather simplistic, but come on, folks, we have two industries that serve us well in the insurance game, and that is homeowners and car insurance. Why can't health insurance be very much like those? Exactly. I mean, the fact that you have separating Siamese twins or, you know, whatever the most complicated, um, expensive, you know, emergency things that don't work like a free market doesn't preclude at least 80% of the sector from working like a market. And obviously, you know, um, the, the few examples where, where you see market forces applied, where you get third-party payer out, um, you know, those like yourself that have uh, opened up practices that don't take third-party or just, you know, certain surgical centers. We'll be speaking later this week to, uh, um, you know, the owners of the Oklahoma Surgery Center. Yeah. They brought down prices. Yeah. And then, you know, like uh, realists, 
in every regard. Yeah. Eye surgeries, certain, you know, cataract surgeries, plastic surgeries. And, and that I want to go back to a point you made that we really stand at a crossroads and it could get it could get really bad. But there's an amazing opportunity to, as I noted last week, not just circumvent Obamacare, but even repeal Obamacare before Obamacare, um, but in a way that the consumers are now ready for it, whereas maybe 10 years ago they weren't. And that's this. Either way, we're headed to single single payer. Right. This scheme cannot go on for too too much longer, because like you mentioned, we're now paying for the third party, but we're not getting the benefits that we used to get out of distorting the market. At least at least we get the benefits of it. Um, We're going to get single payer, but either one of two ways, either single payer, meaning the government, which now pays for half of it, Medicare, Medicaid, SCHIP, all the other programs or the real single payer that we could try to achieve, which is straight up the patient to the doctor, the patient right. to the doctor. That is the true single payer we need. Get government right. and insurance cartel the hell out of this business. Um, and then prices will come down. I want you to comment on the following. Here's here here here's your next assignment. Um, to <laughs> me, I never mentioned this to our, our listeners. I never mentioned this before. Um, to me, this quote from the Congressional Budget Office, CBO, on the GOP bill and forget about the GOP bill for a minute. Just what they say about Obamacare is amazing. Just their perverted outlook, the perverted outlook of the entire government. And they say this, although premiums have been rising under current law, most subsidized enrollees purchasing health insurance coverage in the non-group market are largely insulated from increases in premiums because their out-of-pocket payments for premiums are based on a percentage of their income, AKA government handouts. The government pays the difference between the percentage and the premiums for a reference plan, which is the second lowest plan, yada, yada, yada. Do you understand that they seem to be saying that in their eyes, having an EKG costing $100 and you pay $100 is the same thing as using the boot of government to line the pockets of insurance companies to and the government to jack up the price of an EKG to thousands of dollars, but then come with the other hand and bankrupt the nation and say, well, if you're under this level, we'll subsidize it for, you know, $8,900. So it's the same. It's largely insulated. You're paying a thousand, a hundred dollars either way. They don't see a problem with that. Isn't that amazing? Well, the CBO's predictive accuracy is right up there with astrologers, I think. Um, you know, some people believe wholeheartedly in it. Those of us more uh, logically minded tend to view that with uh, uh, skepticism. I, okay, and I don't want to not answer your question there, but I will comment on it and just say this, that really what it boils down to is, is and I wrote a piece on my blog a few months ago, a couple months ago, called Is Healthcare Right? Or is it a privilege? Because this is the the uh, the situation that many, especially around election and campaign time, uh, many conservatives find themselves faced with this question. And I answer it definitively in my blog post. It's neither. Okay, that's a false dilemma set up by your opponent or your typically liberal people saying, well, if you don't think it's a right, then you must think it's a privilege and you're a heartless, uh, insensitive jerk for doing that and we should never vote for you. The bottom line is healthcare is a service industry, okay? it's it, it, it just is. It's a service industry like a food, like uh, the water, all the waters through public utilities. But nevertheless, it's like cable TV. Healthcare is, is not a commodity. It's a service industry. And as such, it ought to be subject to the normal economic forces 
practices that govern most other service industries in our country. This is why I created the portmanteau of uh, healthcare onomics. It's it's just basically when when it's a study of how normal economic forces get twisted, warped, and broken when applied to the American healthcare system. That really says it all right there. And when you step outside of that, when you quit believing the nonsense, rise above the, the, the chatter and look down at it, you see that, oh, my gosh, why are we talking about subsidizing people's health insurance that they can hardly ever use? Why are we paying health insurance companies to, you know, to cover poor people? Why are we – it just doesn't make any kind of economic it's sense. Meaning at I least if you're going to say, say health care is a right – then at least fo- focus on the healthcare side. Right. We're saying health right. insurance is exactly. a right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, back before AHCA passed in the uh, when they were still uh, messing around with that in the House, I wrote a tweet. I said, uh, the ACA is the best legislation money could buy. The AHCA was the best legislation money couldn't buy. But they did indeed pass it. And then the Senate thing is even worse as far as the gimmies for the health insurance industry. Uh, look, th- this is just uh, my what I bring to the table is a detailed knowledge of the actual costs of health care. And that's what I want to focus on is to get people to understand. Yes. My tagline is I want to change health care by changing the way you think about health care. And it starts with understanding that the only reason health care is overpriced, which it's not costly, it's just overpriced. The only reason for that is health insurance. And if you if you get rid of the health insurance in the equation, which $12,000 deductibles mean you should it anyway, then you exactly. can get an MRI for 350 bucks. You can get an EKG and, for and 35 the bucks. News, the good news is at that point, right now we're running into Pickett's charge with the you know yep. public Leviathan. Obviously, Medicare, Medicaid, all the programs. I mean, even even a, a, a <laughs> reduction in the rate of increase um, for some of these programs, it, it spawns outrage. The, the good news here is if you actually at least deal with the so-called private half of our healthcare system, which is not private, it's again, it's a quasi-government utility. If you got them out of the way, if you had equal equal uh, tax and statutory treatment of all sorts of options for covering risk and then certainly not driving up the cost through the tax uh, uh, tax code, guess what? Then the people that we want to subsidize will pay their bills directly rather than, you know, let's get the price for an EKG down, um, you know, 80, 90 percent and then subsidize at least. Again, you're always going to have a little bit of price inflation no matter what. But I think if you have the government act more like food stamps, which, again, there's too much fraud, there's too many people on it, there's too much dependency. But the structure of the program doesn't fundamentally distort the price of food the way the structure of Medicare and Medicaid distort the price of health care. Yeah, because they're not paying uh, they're not paying um, uh, some third party to pay for your groceries. Yeah, they're just paying directly <laughs> for those. That goes to cost sharing reductions. I don't know if we have time or not, but you know we discussed briefly the other day these cost sharing reductions, these billions of dollars in subsidies that are disguised as uh, as uh, uh, lowering deductibles for health insurance companies. Just really quickly, what I'd like to do is explain how those. And, work. and by the way, you're referring to just so our listeners know what you're talking about. Um, we're going to have I'll, I'll post this in show notes. A link to this, but my Friday piece on yes. the president covering this roughly seven billion a month for the insurance bailout. He did this for the month of July, where they basically say, say, "Hey, like in a ransom note, if you guys don't give us the extra subsidies, we're going to go and raise the premiums, the deductibles, copayments even even further." And this is particularly going towards the 
co-payments and the deductibles. So yeah, so, so take, it, take it from there. One of my tweets is, I would love to have an industry, I would love to have invented an industry that could bilk the American people out of billions of dollars and also hold co- uh, Congress hostage at the same time for billions. That is genius. The health insurance industry is genius. They are right where they want to be at this point in time because they know, they know the cavalry's been called. They're in trouble long term. So they're grabbing all the cash while they can. And I'll expound upon that in a later podcast. But here's the bottom line. Let's say I'm Acme Health Insurance Company, and I, I offer Daniel Horowitz and his family, a $5,000 or $12,000 deductible health insurance plan. Well, then I turn around and I petition the government. I say, hey, look, how's Daniel going to pay his bills? The, this guy is a poor podcaster. He works for Conservative Review. He only makes you know, $10,000 a year. Come on. So how's he going to pay his bills? So then Congress, what they're doing with these cost-sharing reductions is they're handing Acme Health Insurance Company This is my understanding of the legislation anyway. This is my understanding of the program. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, And so they're handing me, Acme Health Insurance, $12,000. Now, wait a minute. That's to cover the deductible. And what is the deductible? It's something that covers health care costs. So, and this is something that whether Daniel meets this or not, I'm getting 12 grand back from the, com- from the government. Do you see where I'm going with this? They're paying health insurance companies subsidies to cover health care costs care. that may or may what? not occur. In other words, what happened to the provider? What happened to the doctor? Right, right. Yeah. Who's going to pay this that? Is, it's, it's insanity. It's this insanity. is a very important point. Very, very important point. So aside from the fact that this distorts the market, that it further, like we said, the regs and the subsidies, it's a vicious catch-22 death, death spiral, and that they raise the cost, and then now, well, you got to subsidize it because people can't afford it. Oh, but now that sugarcoats the inflation of, of the cost that um, or, or the price, the charge, that the insurance industry is charging the consumer – to further incentivize them to raise it even more. And then again and again and again, but you're making another point that I I haven't heard anyone else say that even if you agree to the, um, you know, to the veracity of this argument and the need for the cost sharing subsidies, even though they're unconstitutional, they're not, not appropriated for, but shouldn't they be going to the doctor then? (laughs) And, and, and shouldn't they be, okay, let's, let's make the analogy to food stamps. Like you said earlier, I, I have a grocery store, and a lot of my customers are on food stamps. And so you, but I tell them that, hey, listen, I need, you know, the customer's going to come in, but I'm being paid by this third party Acme food insurance company. The government is giving Acme food insurance company, they're not giving me, they're giving Acme health insurance company thousands of dollars a year, and you may never come to my store. You may not buy any groceries. You may grow your own stuff at home, but they're still giving Acme Food Insurance Company thousands of dollars, whether they utilize it or not. It is insanity. You would think that the government would pay me on an ongoing basis for the food that you purchase through my store. Not so with these cost-sharing reductions. It's thievery on an industrial scale. Meaning on meaning the there's one thing the premiums you know subsidizing the premiums so that you pay to the insurance company but here right. it's a deductible it's a copayment so okay so then at least if you're going to inflate the cost distort the market you know subsidize give it to the providers this is this is all further proof of why I believe this entire insurance industry they are they are invariably. Uh, linked by the you know where to the government and uh, they are genius they are yeah, absolutely we will never genius. Change, i pay homage to them throughout we will my never book change that you know if we lived in a constitutional republic you know they'd be able to uh, 
petition for tendentious treatment for subsidies, regulatory scheme. You know, we, we couldn't do that, but we don't follow that anymore, which is why it is so important to circumvent this business of trying to fix insurance altogether when anyway, Republicans are meeting such stiff conservatives, I would say, are meeting such stiff winds and doing that anyway to try to see how we could, you know what, how we could... T- tackle this in a holistic approach. So what other short-term things do you think? So you talk about repealing the 1973, um, you know, HMO act, which would just, just basically subject health insurance to the price fixing racketeering laws that any other industry, it's funny, we, we, we regulate and subsidize them to death, but the one basic regulation we have for any industry to kind of foster a free market that we exempt them from the perfect screwball to ensure that there's no other competition. Uh, but on the other That's hand, right. they That's get, fact. That's right. they, they get subsidized again. This is what I always call venture socialism. In some ways it's more insidious than straight up socialism because you pick winners and losers have a zombie private sector where you funnel public, um, you know, statutory, uh, uh, favors, and then also subsidies to them. Basically just, a. a arm of the government and arm of the politicians to buy off votes. And then we're left holding the bag. So what other, what other solutions do you see um, just healthcare wise as a doctor that either on the regulatory side, on the payment side, that's driving up costs? Well, okay. So I, I write nonfiction books, so I don't mind giving away the ending. Um, but I, I would encourage your listeners to please uh, check out my first book. That's a lot of entertaining stories in there and, and examples that will make you scratch your head and think. Um, but let me say this: there are two things that face Americans today uh, regarding health care and health insurance. First of all, is the costs of health care, the charges of health care, I'll say, not the costs. Again, let's make that distinction, the charges. There's one way that you can tackle that. And as soon as this happens by the millions of people, you're going to see prices come tumbling down. And that is civil disobedience, just simply saying, look, I'm not using my health insurance to pay for this. I want to know what the MRI is going to be for cash. And that means you have to tell them you don't have health insurance. You have to fib. And by doing so, you can turn a $5,000 MRI on your health insurance plan into a 300. Let me go one step further. You can turn a $5,000 MRI that you may or may not get approved for in six weeks into a 350 or $500 MRI cash that you can get that afternoon. So can you want your listeners into how exactly you do that? Because I know a lot of people are like, well, this is the problem. I walk in there and, and they, you know, they, they totally extort you and then say, Hey, you know, send you a bill for who knows how much do you, is this a matter of shopping as a matter of doing it prospectively rather than coming afterwards? Well, no, we shop for most of our big purchases throughout our lives anyway, and people need to get used to that, certainly. Checking out like uh, things online like the Surgery Center of Oklahoma has a great – they have their prices listed. They're transparent, and that trend is going to continue. There's also the healthcare blue book that I often uh, reference when I'm establishing my own prices for my services because I don't have a benchmark to go on. I have no competition in my areas. It's not like I can underprice anyone. So the healthcarebluebook.com is a great resource to use. But really what it boils down to – look, when I went to get my colonoscopy and they told me it was going to be 658. They knew I had health insurance. I had been there. This is my fourth time. They had already looked me up. They knew that I was covered. So had I, and so I was kind of caught with my uh, pants down, pun intended there on the colonoscopy. But the bottom line is that if I had gone to a different facility, I would have said, yo, 
I don't have health insurance. Now, people tell me that, well, you're doing that, you're going to commit health insurance fraud. No, it is impossible, and I want to assure the listeners, it's impossible from a legal standpoint for a, for a patient to commit health insurance fraud by just choosing not to use their health insurance plan. There's no way. You're not going to commit health insurance fraud. However, if that facility knows that I have health insurance, See, this is a kicker. This is part of, the, part of the, 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 the way they have it ingrained into the system, the way they're unbeatable, is once the facility finds out I've got health insurance, they cannot charge me a lower cash price, or they could be found to be committing health insurance well, fraud. So the trick is to just never let it out of the bag that you have health insurance. Go ahead. Sure, and, and obviously, again, to do it prospectively, to call up ahead of time and sure. say, hey, look in – I'm looking to get this done. You know, I'm pricing out some options rather than just showing up right. there on the spot. Oh, ba- oh my gosh, I need this. And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a different story. You just remind right. me of something I want to clarify for our, our listeners um, because I'm not sure statutorily where, where this is coming from. But I've heard that all Medicare providers, in other words, doctors or, or you know, outpatient clinics, hospitals, obviously hospitals that take Medicare, that they cannot offer discounts <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're right. As, you, know, you know what I'm talking. That they cannot offer discounts to right. self pay. As a physician, I am opted out of Medicare. I have I have told Medicare to get lost. Um, and if I didn't do that, let's say that I did not tell Medicare that I wanted out, and I saw your grandmother who has Medicare, and I charged her, you know. 100 bucks for an office visit. If Medicare only covers that office visit at $70, then I have to pay the government, not your grandmother, I have to pay the government back $30 if they find out about it, if they take me to task over that. So, yeah, hospitals, et cetera, that don't take, that, that, that accept Medicare, see, this is part of the problem is the government's got them behaving, dancing to their tune. If you take Medicare, you have to opt out. Well, no hospital is going to opt out of Medicare. So for the Medicare listeners out there, you know, we're going to have to think up something different. I'm only speaking to those with have, that have commercial private health insurance and can say, hey, listen, I, um, you know, I, I don't take you know, I, I don't have health insurance. How much is it going to cost me? And we can get into that in a later podcast. But I want to get to the second issue there. The first thing facing Americans that they are the key to, they have the solution to this, and that is to pay with their credit cards instead of their health insurance cards to cover the health care costs. But the second thing facing Americans is high health insurance costs. How do we beat that? Well, First of all, there's a simple way that people can use, people can do on their own, and that is to stop over buying health insurance. In other words, the biggest way that you as an individual are going to lose money on health insurance is if you buy too much of it, if you overinsure yourself. And uh, I'm going to plug my equation here. I call it Dr. Way Casey's equation. It's on my blog. It's in my books. I talk about it. Just an analysis of Texas school teachers, their 2017 coming up health insurance. It is amazing how health insurance, and this is a whole other podcast we can get into, amazing how the health insurance industry will convince you to spend and thousands of dollars to potentially save hundreds, and they are so adept at it. So 
the best way to start is to not overbuy health insurance. The second way that's, that's going to be more of your bailiwick is to get people energized and understanding at the grassroots level that politically things need to change. These health insurance companies have bought Congresses over and over and over again. Again, they enjoy protections that no other industry does in the U.S., and that needs to change. And that's going to come not from replacing any laws, but from repealing law after law after law. I say get, get rid of every law. Repeal, don't stop repealing like the Journey song. Don't stop repealing. <laughs> so we need, the Congress needs to repeal every law and regulation that protects and props up the status quo of the health insurance industry. Exactly. And, we're, and, and that's the thing. We're not asking for a bailout of subsidy a favor. We're just asking right. for a level playing field. We're not inherently right. against insurance. Like they should have harder sure. treatment. Although the truth be told, like I told my audience last week, the one benefit the health associations have is that they don't have the insurance regs the insurance companies have. But you know what? That's their fault. They embraced Obamacare. They're blocking repeal of it. So go right. eat it. You know? Right, right, right. Get bent. Well, you know, State Farm and Geico and Allstate, they don't enjoy these governmental protections. They have to compete for your business. Now, I know they're a regulated industry. I get that. But they're, they're not. I don't see too many market distorting forces there. And again, some hardcore economists can feel free to disagree with me and, I, and that goes beyond my purview but all i know is that i pay a reasonable fee you know i'd rather pay less but i pay a, a reasonable affordable fee for my homeowners and my car insurance every month i should be able to do the same with my health insurance exactly we're running rapidly running out of time here but i do want to broach one more issue very briefly and this is really really its own self-contained issue and that's what we started out with that you know we, we talk about price we talk about costs we talk about numbers but ultimately, this is about health care, you know, like we, yep. we introduced with the Charlie Guard situation. And what bothers me the more I think about it is we always say, oh, imagine if we go single payer like Europe, you know, what's the quality of health care going to be? What bothers me is, am I not right in being concerned that we have already crossed that Rubicon? I know this is not politically correct to say, and I know, you know, I'm sure there's some terrific doctors and medical professionals my age, my generation, but I... I tend to see you see tend to see the talent out there, and you know they're guys with the silver hair in their sixties um, that that you know came about during a time when our healthcare system was freer and less distorted. Yeah, boy, they got. What do you think has time. happened? What do you think has happened the last generation of you know even before Obamacare of government run control, the growth of the insurance cartel. That medicine is all about administration, administrative costs is all about third party. What has that done to the missing, gaping hole of innovation in delivery of care? Well, I will say this, and this is, again, we're adding up the podcasts here that we need to get to, but uh, I'll leave you with, with a couple of thoughts. Number one, you haven't even, we, you and I haven't even discussed the world of corporate medicine, sir. And that's a whole nother layer that we should get into. And uh, it's my contention that no doctor should be employed by anyone other than another physician, because if a doctor has a duty to their patient, where does their duty to their employer lie? And we can get into that uh, big time. But I'm going to leave you with a teaser here, and I want your audience to really think about this as well. And that is, imagine a healthcare economy where you can go to the doctor or even sit at home online and order things for yourself, for your health, and they'll be reasonably priced, and they won't necessarily have to have the blessings of some third party telling you that you can't have it. Imagine a world where not only can you get an MRI of your knee same day, 
that you're worried about it for a reasonable cost. But imagine a world where you can just walk in. I talk about this in my book where ovarian cancer screening is a big, big deal. There's a test out there, a blood test that picks up 80% of tumors. Imagine your wife or your, or your mother or a friend of yours wanting to get this test under traditional health insurance means, and they say, no, we're not going to cover it. You know, it's too expensive, all this nonsense. Imagine just being able to go and buy that test for 45 bucks. That exactly. is another, that's another thing that's missing from our healthcare system is, is consumerism, the ability for you to choose. I can stand there for half an hour and try to find the toothpaste I want and the 60 that are in the uh, grocery store aisle, but I have very little choice when it comes to getting my healthcare. I can't, and, and this is the subject of my third book. It's going to be called Your Money and Your Life, and it's mm-hmm. how the health insurance industry has really, I mean, it's killed more people and caused more harm over the past 70 years by keeping people separated from this awesome, awesome technology that exists that is able to pick up disease, able to beat uh, things before they become problems. It, it's, it's, it's a they, whole they other aspect it. to this. In, in other they words, do. I think a lot of people, not just conservatives, but even uh, liberals in this country understand yeah. overwhelmingly, you know, a single payer in Colorado, I forget the exact number, but it was, it was rejected like 85 to 15 in this past <laughs> November. Um, that much people get that that look once government takes over there's no innovation there's nothing there's nowhere to go it's not just the cost but what people forget is a we already have that half government control and then the other half is like a public utility it's it's the insurance cartel but right. not in a free market it's propped up by government sure. so it's not just the cost that we're losing out on 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 a cheaper it's delivery your health it's it's the it's quality because there, yeah. there is no consumer the consumer is the cartel and government so That's you right. know who would have imagined Uber and Amazon doing what they do if not for the fact that there's organic consumer demand that they had to please right. and innovate that they appeal to no such demand? Well, imagine uh, my goal is to help drive liberal listeners to your podcast and to conservative reviews. So, uh, but, but here's the beauty of this is what I'm talking about isn't political. What I'm talking yeah. about is just common sense, and it blows through. Blowing, blowing up the big myth of health care is what needs to bring the whole country together to say, look, enough of the nonsense. Let's get it back to good, folks. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're just about out of time, Dr. Casey. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, like you. I said, I mean, next time we're going to have to broach this more on the provider end. Your your experience in going without third party payer, um, lots more to discuss. We'll be in touch. God bless and thanks <laughs> for joining us. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Take care. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Doctor Kevin Wakasey. He's in the Dallas Fort, Dallas Fort Worth. Fort Worth area. I can't even talk today. Um, go and follow him at Hconomics on Twitter. Hconomics. I'm going to have all his information, his books, the guide to buying health insurance and healthcare, um, and then just blowing up all the myth, myths on healthcare. He's going to have a third book coming out, so you're going to enjoy that. The other big deal here is, um, look, we're going to have. Uh, oh, by the way, we're going to have Dr. Uh, Kevin Smith on. Thursday, our second podcast this week, uh, Oklahoma Surgery Center. We're going to see also from the provider and how he innovated without third-party payer. Folks, I could sit and discuss with you, Jared Kushner and Russia all day, or we could try to actually have substance to see how conservative solutions, if you really drill down to them, and we really had a party articulating this, it wouldn't even be conservative. It's pure common sense that would resonate with a broad array of Americans Um, And this is the party and movement we have to create. 
Anyway, please subscribe to CRTV, promo code Horowitz. And also, also important to remember, support our sponsors at Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithcr.com. And look, you know, we talked about our analogy with the government taking over food. If they ever do that, imagine what the prices of food will be. So you want 140 meals, ready-made meals in your house. Go to preparewithcr.com for 99 bucks. Until next time, God bless you all. Let's fight for true health care reform. This has been another episode of Conservative Conscience.